Welcome back, everybody, to Rams Up, your favorite L.A. Rams podcast. You can also follow us on YouTube. Got some great video content. Our YouTube handle is at L.A. Rams Up. You can follow us on Instagram as well. I'm your host, Mark. Let's get to it. Welcome back, Ram fans, to episode 144 of Rams Up. Got a recap of the Rams-Packers game, a cold and chippy game in Green Bay. The Rams fall to the Packers 24-12. I'm kind of torn about this game. Disappointed in the outcome, of course, but this team came to play. And, you know, at this point, that's all we can really hope for with this Rams team They really brought it, especially on defense. The D actually held it pretty well considering the offense managed less than 200 yards. Really some heavy hitting by our guys on defense, Nick Scott and Jalen Ramsey especially. I think as the game wore on and it got a little chippier in the second half, the hits just kept on coming and I like to see that. And yeah, the D got gashed a little bit by the run at times and Aaron Rodgers, the future Hall of Famer, Found some wide-open receivers against our pretty soft defensive strategy. But at this point, all we can really expect of this team, missing Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Donald, Ashawn Robinson, and about 10 other guys, all you can hope for is that they bring it and keep it interesting. And I think our Rams did it in Green Bay. Offense kind of took a step backwards, actually, those last Five or six minutes against the Raiders was the only life we've seen out of them in quite some time. And in this game, we had one nice drive, a couple of moments, but for the most part, it was kind of what we've seen over the last couple of months, just not any consistent production. Although Cam Akers had a pretty good game. Get to that later on. Rams kept us interesting into the second half. They were only down 10 to 6, and then the Packers went off on two touchdown drives to open it up to 24 to 6. And the Rams got a touchdown, missed the extra point to make it 24 to 12. And then it looked like they might get that spark, the big chance that they needed, that game changing moment on the fumble recovery, if that's what we want to call it by Jalen Ramsey. He basically ripped the ball out of Aaron Jones' hands, but our offense could do nothing with it. And that was pretty much the game. Hey, another good thing about these last few games, this game especially, is we're getting a chance to see some of our young guys that we may need next year. If you caught my roster rundown a couple episodes ago, got a lot of unrestricted free agents next year. So we need to see what Bobby Brown, Kobe Durant, Russ Yeast, and Jonah Williams can do. We found out what Michael Hoyt can do. So that's the upside of games like this, seeing these guys play for better or worse. We got to find out, right? So yeah, disappointed in the outcome. Pretty happy with how hard the team played, especially the defense. They were pretty fired up for most of this game. Just didn't get any help from the offense. Kind of a recurring theme this entire season. Let's revisit my fearsome four keys to the game. Fearsome key number one was get out to a decent start. Lambeau can be tough. And we did. Taylor Rapp's interception was key in that regard. Second half was a different story, giving up two touchdowns to the Packers in the third quarter. That pretty much settled the score there. 
Grissom key number two, got to run the ball, run it a lot. Hey, Cam Akers had a pretty good game. He actually had 100 yards from scrimmage combined passing and running, but he had some really good runs, some of the better runs we've seen from him all year. And this is a weak Packers defense, so you would hope to see that, and that's what we saw. Grissom key number three, avoid catastrophic plays, and we did. No big plays that went the Packers' way. They had the interception. Didn't amount to anything. Grissom key number four, solid defensive line play with so many guys out. Jonah Williams, Bobby Brown, and the rest. You know, it was an okay effort. Greg Gaines had another great game. Leonard Floyd off the edge did. But we got gashed by Aaron Jones and A.J. Dolan a little too much for my liking. But this game, forget about these first and four keys. It really came down to the ability to move the ball consistently on offense. We should have been able to against a defense like the Packers, and we just couldn't. really came down to that. Our defense was fine. Gave up 24 points to a Packers offense at home while our offense was getting nothing done. Our defense is not the problem. It's the offense. Hey, we all know that. My prediction was Rams 27, Packers 23. Being very optimistic there. Pretty close on the Packers score, one point off. The Rams offense just came up short. I guess those last few minutes against the Raiders maybe fooled me a little bit, thinking that might continue or even improve with Baker Mayfield getting in sync with this offense and his receivers over the last 11 days. Did not happen. Of course, a lot of that continues to be issues with the offensive line. Brian Allen went down on the second play of the game. That doesn't help. And Baker was scrambling for his life a little bit, panicking a little more than he should have. But he did miss open receivers at a couple of poor throws. Hey, blame goes all around on the offense. Offensive line, poor quarterback play, or I should say mediocre quarterback play. I don't know how much we can put on Baker, but it wasn't a great performance by him. Review some key team stats. The Packers. 27 first downs to the Rams, 13. Doubled up the Rams in total yardage, 345 to 156. They ran 25 more plays, though. Rams got to Aaron Rodgers three times. Leonard Floyd twice. Greg Gaines once. They gave up five sacks themselves, which is almost forgivable given all the guys they're missing up front. Rams were plus one on the takeaway front, Rap with the interception, Ramsey with the fumble recovery. I still have trouble calling it that, but I guess that's what it was. And lastly, see if I can say this without sounding like I'm whining too much. The referees really had an outsized impact on this game. Some really marginal calls, and they came at critical junctures. And we saw this on Saturday and Sunday as well. The NFL has to figure this out. Such a great product. Billion-dollar enterprise and the refereeing, it's just not that good. And that's all I'm going to say about that. And another takeaway from this game was the chippiness. And I don't know when it started. It might have been Michael Hoyt getting things started. He has a habit of doing that. And then it was that Jonah Williams tackle on Aaron Rodgers, which I didn't think was that bad. And then the Packer offensive lineman butting heads with Williams, which I was surprised didn't get a call. Maybe they figured, hey, we're not going to call the late hit on Rodgers, so we're going to let that go as well. 
but things really went over the edge on that Matt Gay tackle on the sideline, and Gay gets buried by Packers, and Rams come over to pull him out of there. That was a bad look for the Packers, in my opinion. I can't blame the Rams for going over there trying to rescue their guy, but Matt Gay was not happy. Uh, Something happened in that pile that really pissed our kicker off. Chippiness kind of escalated from there. You could tell Ramsey was fired up. Ramsey and Rodgers got into it a couple times. But overall, very chippy game. Didn't expect that, but that's what I saw. We'll be back in a minute with a, a capture of this game and then some additional notes followed by our loop around the league, which is going to be a little bit different this week. We're going to talk about those nine amazing games that came down to the very end, most of them having a big impact on the playoff picture. It was a fun weekend in the NFL, and to go along with that World Cup final and that big hoops win, UCLA over Kentucky, it was a pretty amazing sports weekend. How did this game play out? Rams lost the coin toss again. Packers deferred, so the Rams got the ball first. Akers picked up 15 yards on the first play from scrimmage. On the second play, Brian Allen gets hurt. Coleman Shelton has to slide over to center. And O'Day Abushi takes over at right guard. Mayfield to Jefferson to convert a third and 17, but on third and nine, Mayfield can't escape and is sacked. The Rams punt. Packers get the ball at the 32, move the ball down the field, mixing up short passes and runs. They get into the red zone on second and goal. Ramsey gets his feet tangled up with the receiver and a good no call by the refs. And Floyd gets the sack on third down. Michael Hoyt with the assist. Packers settle for a field goal, go up three to nothing. Rams next possession, a three and out, a false start on third and five, complicating things. Mayfield had Van Jefferson wide open on first down, but could not pull the trigger. Rams punt, 31-yard punt by Riley Dixon, who up to now has had a pretty solid season. Packers take over at the 44. They convert a third and two, and then on first and 10, Rodgers overthrows his receiver Lazard. Taylor Rapp gets the interception, his second in two games. Remember, he had one at the end of the Raiders game. So the Rams get the ball at the 32. Williams for five yards. Akers a hard run for a first down. A swing pass to Akers for another first down. And then Akers picks up yet another first down and a personal foul out of bounds on the Packers. Sets up the Rams at the 18. But the Packers blow up a jet sweep to 2-2. Higby gets six on the next play, setting up a third and seven. At the 15, Mayfield kind of looks like he panics a little bit on this play. Almost throws a bad interception. Fortunately, it hits the turf harmlessly, and the Rams get the 33-yard field goal to tie it up 3-3. Packers ensuing drive, 74-yard drive. This is the A.J. Dillon show. He's getting the ball. He's involved in the passing game and the run game. They get to the Rams 17, and on fourth and three, they go for it. A.J. Dillon converts. He has two more carries, the second of those, an eight-yard run for the touchdown. Packers lead 10-3. Rams answer with a field goal of their own. 
Mayfield to Atwell converts a third and four. Akers picks up six, and then Mayfield fumbles, but Havenstein recovers. Still a loss of six yards. Sets up a third and 13, and Mayfield hits Van Jefferson, who ran a nice route on this play, 15 yards. A second time, the Rams converted third and long. Then Atwell with a drop right after Troy Aikman had been singing his praises about how far he's come. Would have been a big gain, but he can hang on to it. Nothing happening on third and 10 for Mayfield. The Rams have to settle for a 55-yard field goal attempt, and Matt Gay hits it, and it's 10-6 Packers. On the kickoff, the Packers get a big return off, but holding on the return brings it back. Rodgers trying to make something happen as the half closes out, but he ends up getting sacked by Greg Gaines as the clock runs out. Go to halftime, 10-6 Packers. Halftime stats. Mayfield, 8 for 14 for 74 yards. Rodgers was 9 for 13 for 83 yards. And then he picked up 24 yards on a play just before the half to improve to 10 for 14 for 108. So before that, quarterbacks were pretty even. And the running backs, top three running backs in this game, were pretty even too. Unfortunately, two of them were Packers. Akers, 6 for 33. 5.5 average. Dillon, 7 for 37, 5.3 average. And Aaron Jones kicked in 6 for 35 yards, a 5.8 average. Total yards, Packers had the edge 165 to 95. The Rams' leading receiver, Jefferson, two catches for 32 yards. For the Packers, Cobbs, three receptions for 32 yards. So nobody really tearing it up. A lot of dinking and ducking by both quarterbacks and both teams running the ball reasonably well. Opening drive of the second half, the Packers drive deep into Rams territory. The Rams appear to hold, but they call illegal contact on Ramsey in the end zone, bailing the Packers out, and two plays later, A.J. Dillon gets a second touchdown of the night. Packers take a 17-6 lead. Rodgers goes 6-for-6 on that drive. Rams' first possession of the second half, 3-and-out, a holding call, really backs them out. They punt, and the Packers get a good return, and then a 15-yard face mask penalty on Russ Yeast. That was the one call tonight that was really obvious, and the refs had to throw the flag on this one. Yeast holding on to the Packers' face mask for what seemed like about 10 seconds. Gives the Packers the ball at the 35 And this time it's Aaron Jones scoring from seven yards out. Packers open up a 24-6 lead. The Rams' next possession, they put together their best drive of the night. Six plays, 70 yards. On the first play of the drive, Akers runs 18 yards. A 15-yard penalty is tacked on for a low block called on the Packers. This was perhaps one of the worst calls of the night, but it went in the Rams' favor this time. Akers runs for 8 and 19 yards and then 2 yards. And on third and goal, Mayfield to Tyler Higby for the touchdown. Higby's first touchdown of the year. Can you believe that? But Matt Gay, who has been seemingly perfect this entire season, especially on PATs, misses it. Thought the Rams should have went for 2 there, perhaps. So it's 24-12 Packers. Packers' next possession, they get another huge call in their favor, a marginal pass interference call on Troy Hill, but the Rams get the stop after that. 
Leonard Floyd getting another sack, and the Packers punt. Rams are backed up at the 13 on third and long. Mayfield throws a desperation pass under pressure that is intercepted. Things looking bleaker by the minute for the Rams. Packers have the ball to Rams 34. But this is one of the weirder plays of the night. Aaron Jones blasts off a big runoff left tackle. He doesn't go down. There's no whistle. And while he's still standing, about to go down, Jalen Ramsey tears the ball away from him, grabs it, and sets off up the field, is tackled. And at the end of the play, Greg Gaines launches a Packer into the air, knocks him away from the play. Whistle had already blown, apparently, so the Rams get the personal foul, but they have the ball at their own 15. They get a big pass interference call on a long ball to 2-2 Atwell, get all the way down to the Packers, 41. Can't get anything done from there. And yes, that was pass interference. Atwell's getting pretty good at selling those. He didn't have to sell this one, though. It was pretty clear. I think Atwell's problem is he's just too fast sometimes. Quarterbacks just cannot get the ball out there to him especially on a cold night like this. I think with Wolford, it was just not having a strong enough arm uh, on this play. I think it was just Atwell being too fast and the weather being too cold. Can't get the ball downfield like that. Mayfield just could not get it to him. So the Rams punt. Packers get it at the 14. And they basically run out the clock. And Rodgers takes a knee a couple of times to end the game. Packers 24 Rams 12. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is my go-to when betting on the NFL this holiday season. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. And if you're looking for a Week 12 same-game parlay, how about this one? Right now, Texans plus 7 against the Dolphins. The over-under is 45. The Texans have the worst rush defense in the league, giving up 181 yards per game. First of all, I think the Texans plus seven is a good bet, and I think we're going to go with the under on that point total of 45 for a couple reasons. Both teams are going to try to run the ball. That'll shorten the game. Damian Pierce has a good chance of slicing and dicing this Dolphin defense. So both teams are going to be running the ball. So take the Under on the point total, take the Texans plus seven, and I'm going to say take Mostert over on the rushing yardage. He's going to get plenty of action against this Texans defense. And how about this? If you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code TPPN, place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game, you get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Let's get through some additional notes and observations. The Packers 24-12 win over the Rams Monday Night Football. My fearsome four big plays of the game. Big play number one, the Packers are up 3 to nothing in driving, and Taylor Rapp intercepts an overthrown Aaron Rodgers ball. Now, may not seem like a big deal, but had the Rams been able to pull this game out, that would have been a key play, 
and at the time it was a key play. Packers could have very easily gone up 10 to nothing, and Rams get the ball back and drive down and tie the score up 3 to 3. Fearsome big play number two, still 3 to 3. Packers have the ball deep in Rams territory, fourth and three. They go for it, and A.J. Dillon converts. And a moment later, he scores to put the Packers up 10 to 3. Now, if the Rams hold there, would they have won this game? Eh, probably not, but it certainly would have helped their cause. Fearsome big play number three, Matt Gay's 55-yard field goal to make it 10-6 before halftime. In cold weather, that is an extraordinary field goal. You heard the percentages during the game, and Troy Aikman thought they wouldn't even try it, but they did. Matt Gay, last year's Pro Bowl kicker, nails it from 55 yards. I shouldn't say he nailed it. That didn't look like his typical powerful kick, but it was good enough. And the biggest play of the game, in my opinion, here's some big play number four, that illegal contact on Ramsey that gave the Packers a first down. A.J. Dillon scored a second TD moments later, and the Packers go up 17-6 at that point early in the second half. Between that fourth and three conversion and that bailout call on Ramsey, two touchdowns resulted from those two plays. Rams hold on that fourth and three, and the ref keeps the flag in his pocket. Hey, Rams certainly would have had a much better shot at pulling out a win here. Some additional notes. Van Jefferson did not have a catch in the second half, and not only was... Cam Akers, our leading rusher, he was actually our leading receiver as well. It's not necessarily a good thing. And I don't think I saw a single kickoff reach the end zone. Now, the Raiders were kicking off short to the Rams, I think, on purpose. In this game, I think the cold weather was just preventing the kickers from reaching the end zone. So we saw a lot of kick returns, and the Packers actually had a couple of really nice returns. I'll go through some player props, the good and the bad from the Rams' perspective. Well, you got to give a shout-out to Leonard Floyd, who I keep on hearing he's playing well, but the numbers aren't there. Well, they were there against the Packers. Two sacks. He came into the game with just three all season. And you got to give credit to Cam Akers. 12 rushes for 65 yards, a 5.4 average. Three catches for 35 yards. He had a good game, and... He was making some moves, breaking some tackles. Liked what I saw from Cam Akers, although I'd still like to see more Kyron Williams because we have to find out about him as well. And I'm going to give a shout out to Jalen Ramsey. I've been kind of hard on him over the last few games, over several games this season, where he has not played at the level we expect from a guy like him. He he was fired up for this game, and I thought he played really well. I did not think he was deserving of that illegal contact call and that strip and fumble recovery in midair of Aaron Jones was quite the play. He was fired up, he was angry, and he was popping people all over the field. Jalen Ramsey always brings it. you got to say that about him. As Troy Aikman pointed out, there aren't a lot of cornerbacks willing to tackle like Jalen Ramsey. The bad, well, there's two guys I'm going to mention, and I'm not going to call them out completely. Tutu Atwell, I think he's really making great strides, but he's got to hang on to the ball on that one play. That could have been a really big play. The Rams aren't getting a lot of opportunities on offense, 
And when you get a shot like that over the middle where he could have ran for a while and he can hang on to it, but he is coming along overall and I like what I see. And I hope he's a big part of this offense next year. Sean McVay has a bunch of time to figure it out. Let's see an offense with Cup, Van Jefferson, and Tutu Atwell on the field together a lot. Hey, and mix in some Allen Robinson. Why not? And bad. Uh, you know, Baker Mayfield, I'm turning into a big Baker Mayfield fan. I, I love his moxie. Uh, he's what this team needs right now. But he didn't have a good game. That's all I'm going to say about that. Coach's corner, I think we should have went for two after that TD. Now the computer is probably telling you not to do that. You can go for two later on. It's 24 to 12. You kick the extra point. You go down 24-13. Now you need a touchdown, a two-point conversion, and a field goal. But hey, go for it. You got some momentum. Make it 24 to 14. Give this team a shot in the arm. Go for it. If they don't make it, do we really care that much at this point? I say go for it. But you also have to give a shout out to this coaching staff because this team is still coming to play. They're coming to play hard. Now, they're not executing well on offense, but it's clear these coaches have not lost this team. They're bringing it every week. The announcers, they were okay. I appreciated Aikman calling out the same thing I saw. The Rams are playing hard. I think they missed that kerfuffle on the sideline with Matt Gay. They mentioned it in passing. But that was a pretty heated mix-up down there, and I would have liked to know more about it. And they didn't mention Cooper Cup's absence once that I heard. They showed a shot of Matthew Stafford. They mentioned Aaron Donald not playing several times. But I thought it might have been worth mentioning that one of the best players in the league was not suiting up for this game. If you're going to mention Aaron Donald, hey, Maybe mention Cooper Cup as well. Not a big deal, just a comment. And overall, I did like the announcing. And then I usually talk about what does it all mean? It means absolutely nothing from the Rams' perspective. Packers think they still have a shot. I really don't think they do. For the Rams, it's just an opportunity to see some of their young guys play. As long as they keep playing hard, make these games somewhat interesting, and maybe see some improvement by our offense and our younger players, see some of these younger players like Tutu Atwell, and maybe Bryson Hopkins, whatever happened to that guy, get them out in the field with Bobby Brown and Kobe Durant and get Darion Kendrick back out there. Hey, can Robert Rochelle play some in the secondary? Russ Yeast, good to see him out there. That's what we got to see moving forward. That's really all these last three games are going to mean. The Broncos, Chargers, and Seahawks. It's going to mean something to the Chargers and the Seahawks probably. For us, let's see these young guys play, continue to play hard, and hopefully get the ball in the end zone a little bit more often than we have been. We'll wrap things up in a second with our loop around the league. Pretty interesting touching on nine crazy games from Saturday and Sunday. We're going to do our loop around the league a little bit differently this time. I heard someone say Sunday morning, watching NFL games after watching that World Cup final was like watching cartoons after The Godfather. 
And I see where they're coming from. That was an amazing World Cup final. Argentina beating France in a shootout. Loved everything about this year's World Cup, except where it was played, to be honest with you. But the NFL delivered on Sunday as well. I'm not going to go through every game this week. I'm going to go all the way back to that Thursday night game, three Saturday games, and a bunch on Sunday. I'm just going to talk about nine pretty incredible endings and all of them having a significant impact on what the NFL playoff field is going to look like. First game up, the Colts lead the Vikings 33 to nothing at halftime. They roar back and tie the game with 2.15 left and win in overtime 39 to 36. The biggest comeback in NFL history. Poor Matt Ryan. Number two, the Bills beat the Dolphins with a last second field goal. Number three, the Bengals rally from a 17 to nothing halftime deficit to beat Tom Brady and the Bucks 34 to 23. And Tom Brady's miscue on a handoff had a lot to do with it. It was more of a pitch to the running back than a handoff, and I was waiting to see if the offensive lineman got in his face on the sideline after that. Hey, Tom, learn how to hand off, but don't think that happened. Number four, the Titans tie up their game with the Chargers, driving 74 yards in two minutes, but the Chargers get the ball with 44 seconds left. Justin Herbert takes him down the field for the game-winning field goal with eight seconds left. Number five, the Lions beat the Jets 20-17 when Greg the Leg misses a 58-yard field goal on the last play of the game. Number six, the Jags get the game-tying field goal with five seconds left and then beat the Cowboys on a pick-six in overtime. Prescott thrown in the traffic and the ball's tipped and intercepted. Number seven, the Chiefs beat the Texans 30-24 to in overtime. Number eight, the Commanders appear to score a touchdown that, with a two-point conversion, would tie the game up with the Giants and probably send it into overtime. But the refs call illegal formation and then fail to score on what should have been pass interference in the end zone, and the Giants escape with the win there. And number nine, and this one takes the cake, the Raiders and the Patriots, the Raiders led 17-3 to at halftime. They always lead at halftime, right? Gave up 21 straight points to fall behind 24-17. to The Raiders score with 30 seconds left, and on the ensuing kickoff, a couple of Patriots go brain dead, start lateraling the ball around. Jacoby Myers trying to throw it back to Mac Jones. Chandler Jones intercepts it and stiff arms Mac Jones and I laugh because it was pretty funny watching that play. Runs 48 yards for the game-winning touchdown. These oh-so-smart, well-coached Patriots. A blunder for the ages, and this game was so costly to them, might end up costing them a playoff spot. And that's what I wanted to get into next, the impact of all these results. So significant. Cincinnati, with that win over Tampa Bay, takes over first in the AFC North. Baltimore still in good shape, though, for a wild card anyways, and a possible division title. The Jags are now within one game of Tennessee in the AFC South. The Chargers leapfrog New England and Miami in the wild card pecking order. And how does that Tennessee Jags battle to the finish line look? 
Tennessee has the Texans, Cowboys, and Jags left. And the Jags, the Jets, Texans, and obviously the Titans. So it looks like the Jags have a slightly easier road. But keep in mind, Tennessee already lost to the Jags, so it will probably come down to that final game. And if the Jags win that game, they'll probably be division champs, and Tennessee will be outside looking in. And for the other wild card, the Chargers, they have the Colts, Rams, and Broncos left, not too daunting, the Patriots. They have the Bengals, Dolphins, and Bills left, so they're in trouble. The Jets, still on the hunt, they have the Jags, Seahawks, and Dolphins left, so the Chargers in pretty good shape there. And that Baltimore-Cincinnati battle, the Baltimore dragging themselves to the finish line. They have the Falcons, Steelers, and then the two teams play on the final day. Cincinnati has the Patriots and Bills before that showdown with the Ravens. The Ravens won that first game. But I've been saying it for a couple of weeks. Here come the Bengals. They are looking really strong. And the NFC South, Carolina, New Orleans, and Atlanta, all within one game of Tampa Bay. I'm not even going to try to dissect that. And in that final wild card race, the commander is still holding the seventh seed, but they have the 49ers, Browns, and Cowboys left. The Seahawks have the Chiefs, Jets, and Rams. And the Lions, here come the Lions too, the Panthers, Bears, and Packers. Now remember, I have been counting out teams on a weekly basis, and I counted out the commanders in week six, and I was starting to get a little scared that I had been way off on that. But but given that loss on Sunday night and the commander's remaining schedule, I think they maybe are, in fact, done. But we all know anything can happen in the NFL. Commanders could win out for all we know. Not likely, though. So what does this all mean? I'm going to tell you how I think these playoffs are going to turn out for the most part in the AFC The Bills will be the number one seed, followed by the Chiefs, Bengals, and your AFC South champion, Jacksonville Jags. The wild cards will be the Ravens, Chargers, and Dolphins in that order. And the NFC, the number one seed will be the Eagles, followed by the Vikings, 49ers, and some godforsaken team from the NFC South. Take your pick. Probably end up being the Bucks, but they'll be one and done. And the wild cards will be the Cowboys, Giants, and, dare I say, your Detroit Lions. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. Visit our website at ramsup.com. And don't forget about our YouTube channel. Our handle is at laramsup.com. Till next time, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there. Music courtesy of the YouTube Audio Library. Tracks featuring Bar Crawl by Track Tribe. Buckeye Banzai by Vans in Japan. And Crimson Fly by Hamama. 